Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain John Picard of the USS Commander Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starfleet, Deep Space Nine. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast from a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. It's a Star Trek podcast. Star Trek. Yeah. Deep Space Nine. We came to start wreck about Star Trek. This is... That's our new slogan that I just invented. This is the thing. People tell other people that they enjoy a Star Trek podcast, but that's not what they really enjoy. Mm-hmm. They enjoy this. Yeah, Moments like these. <laughs> Adam, it's been a little while since we answered questions left for us by uh, Apple Podcast reviewers. Yeah, it's been a good long time. Any interest in, uh, in doing a review question segment? I love this. Yeah, I I have great interest in that. What do you think? I hate this. I love it. It is revolting. More? Please. We're never going to get to every single question, but uh, if you you would like to ask us a question, you are always free to do that by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review, and putting a question in your review. I would say uh, the possibility is always there. Today could be your lucky day. Uh, here is the first question. <laughs> the review is entitled Worf mm-hmm. and says, y'all, y'all like to rip on Worf. What my theory presupposes is that despite some lackluster arcs here and there, he's the most developed Trek character of all. Why am I right? <laughs> I mean, uh, he's been given the most miles on the character odometer. I think, what is it about Worf? He's been in the most total hours of star trek isn't that a record that he holds i think that seems pretty unbeatable because he's got like 11 full seasons yeah uh my my answer to that question if that is a question (laughs) is uh yeah he's he's developed like hell he's fully developed (laughs) into a shithead i would say that if my character was developed as well as Worf, people would turn on me the way adam has turned on Worf. yeah (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't argue the fact that he's the most developed character, I, but uh, I think... I mean, Ben and I discussed to what extent and in what direction he's been developed, and uh, I don't think either of us are very happy yeah. with that. He's, he's had a rough go of it these past couple seasons. Do you think that there is a chance that Worf could turn himself around for you in the last five or so episodes of this show? I mean, we've got, we've got a scant number of hours left of Deep Space Nine to review. It's not a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, no, would be my answer to that. <laughs> it would have to be a real moonshot of, of turning it around for him. And uh, I just don't see it. I, I, look, I'm open-minded enough to, to be ready for that possibility, but no, I... I mean, wouldn't it be weird if in the in the few episodes we have left in this season, we don't talk about the war we're in for any reason, <laughs> and we continue to develop character? Yeah, that seems. I mean, but but he could like do some like awesome shit with his character, right? Like theoretically, plenty of time to take off the badge, Worf. Go kill, I don't know, Gowron or somebody. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, here's one. Uh, I have never watched Deep Space Nine, but these guys make it make that a non-issue. Keep up the great work, guys. We know you love Jazz Horse as much as I love the Jazz Horse shirt I bought from you. My question is, what other games are you guys playing? That's from David O. Oh, this is a great question. It is a great question. I have uh, recently taken up XCOM 2 on the iOS I don't know if you've ever played an XCOM game, Adam. It's a it's a turn-based strategy game. I'm looking it up. And I played it originally on PlayStation 4 and really liked it. I I, I also really liked XCOM 1. I didn't know I just, this thing I like had a had a name, turn-based strategy game. This is like uh this is like OG Warcraft or StarCraft, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Well, That's Starcraft, like. I think, was a real-time strategy game. I don't know. I don't know about OG Warcraft or if if that was turn-based or not. But hmm. um, this is like literally like you move a soldier. You've got like two actions you can take, and then the enemy will do something, and then you can move again. Uh, it's like that. Uh, on I have a like a newish iPhone. It looks better than PlayStation 4. It like the graphics are fucking unbelievable. Wow. It is like a full triple A level gaming experience. And somehow the iOS version is a much more like rich storyline and better developed game than the PS4 version, wow. which I don't really understand. Uh, but like I de- it's 25 bucks, which is like it really takes a lot for me to spend 25 bucks in the app store is it a better game because it's touchy and not controllery like when you're when you're selecting and moving your your people is that one of the reasons it's better you think i would say i would say that that's like the main thing i don't like about it is that the touchiness is not i i think the interface is a little shitty compared to the the console version but the game is fucking great and because it's turn-based like the controls being not that great is much more forgivable than it w- if it was like a live action kind of thing so uh th- so that's that's the game that kind of has me right now one of my favorite games ever when i was little was dragon warrior you remember that <laughs> nes game that was a turn-based I, game i never played dragon warrior real classic i mean i was called dragon warrior in college because it was such a legendary stick man <laughs> Nice wreck by you here. I never, I, I don't use my phone for games. You could play it on an uh, information pad. That wow. would probably be great. You got that great big iPad. Yeah, but that's a that's a Uxbridge Shimoda. That's a workplace iPad. I I can't <laughs> I can't install that kind of software on there. Listen, here I'm going to blow your mind right now. The Civilization games are developed by the same people as XCOM 2. And I know for a fact that you've played the Civilization game on that great big iPad. Wow, you really buried the lead, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm in. Because I right. love Civ on the iPad. That's yeah. that's big fun. Uh, and as the co-owner of Uxbridge Shimoda with you, I, give, I grant permission to use your work computer for fun shit sometimes. Wow, I've got a great boss. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, I have been... My video game obsession lately, and this is... Largely thanks to you, you've been very encouraging about my creating and defending video game time for my own yeah. personal enrichment and self-care. I've been playing a game called Wreckfest on the PlayStation, which is just a demolition derby game where you choose a vehicle and then crash that vehicle into a friend. <laughs> <laughs> that and sounds good. 
I there are probably bad versions of this game out there that have happened over the years, but like the modern video games ability to create a realistic feeling dirt track and and to make battle damage on a vehicle look so real uh it's a great time to be alive and playing video games if you're into this this kind of micro genre so uh wreckfest is what i've been playing and what's great about it is that you can play with friends i've been playing with a couple of friends of the podcast who live in very far away places for me currently so we'll we'll hop on late at night and uh, i'll play with buddies <laughs> from seattle and new york at the same time and it's big fun that's tight maybe one more question i think we're uh, we should get to the show soon yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> here's a question that is entitled is adam trolling us and uh before i even read the rest of the question i'm gonna answer by saying yes mm. uh, <laughs> agree uh, here's the text. Especially uh, st- if the if the format of the message is, Adam really does something stupid. That's not intentional, is it? <laughs> uh, here's the question. On Who Mourns for Mourn, neither of you pointed out the obvious bit of trivia. I understand that this represents standard operating procedure for the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine, but then Adam trolls the FOD by making the obvious bit of trivia his drunk Shimoda. Sorry if this ruins the gag, but did Adam choose his Shimoda for the reason, for this reason, or was the quote obvious bit of trivia just missed? I choose to believe that Adam Pranica is casting Pod on a very high level. Well mm-hmm. done. And surely I'm not the first to point this out. Love the show. Started viewing in March and finally caught up. Now, Adam, this is a question that I have had as well, which is, I think your drunk Shimoda on the Who Mourns for Mourn episode was a guy that you noticed in uh, a scene in Quark's bar who turns out to be the actor who portrays Mourn uh-huh. making a unloafed cameo as a Bajoran or something. I usually forget episodes immediately after we finish them, but <laughs> but hearing this question asked snapped me right into square about where my mind was at that exact moment. Because I did not know that that was the the Morn guy it, when we did our review a, at all, and then like when we put that when we put that episode up, I we got trillions of tweets about it. I think uh, I think one of my own personal brands of opsec. <laughs> is to is to shoot so much mud into the water that a person can't tell whether or not I'm intentionally being away uh-huh. or actually making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and with that having been said, uh, of mm. course I knew that. Mm. It's obvious. Mm. I was looking at the camera when I said it. Yeah. Just as I'm doing right now. You're the freaked out squid of podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't do research on the show, or do we? Right. <laughs> I like to just know if our friends of DeSoto are paying attention. Yeah, that, that's we, what a moment like that is for. And boy, oh boy, the uh, <laughs> the tweets and emails were an indication of that. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping them on their toes. If I if I ever have any doubt that anyone's listening to the show anymore, all I have to do is say something like that. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has left a five-star review. It looks like we've got uh, quite a few since last time I took a peek at our iTunes listing here. What are we at? 
Are we still the uh, the best reviewed Star Trek podcast in the world? TM. I mean, it's either it's either us or those jokers over at Greatest Discovery. Those guys are good. I don't know how they yeah. do it. These guys have a little something called it. <laughs> well, the thing that we have today is the fourth part of the series finale to talk about for Deep Space Nine. Ben, you want to get to it? Let's get right into it. It's Deep Space Nine, Season 7, Episode 20. It's called The Changing Face of Evil, Part 4. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. This is a funny way to open this episode because it's something we've been talking about a lot. But uh, Worf and Esri come back from their very long time away from the station, and O'Brien just lies right to their face about how much the station missed them and how much everyone was talking about them. Your well-being was a constant source of conversation and speculation. The lie detector test determined that was a lot. I didn't know O'Brien, the character, had this in him. <laughs> the super cruel lie to the the face of your friend's gear. He seems evil in this moment. He seems malevolent <laughs> in a way that yeah. I wasn't expecting. Whatever you say. Huh? I was like, oh, is this a Mirror Universe episode? What's going on here? Yeah, that's a Smiley move. That's not an O'Brien move. Yeah. Smiley is like the one Mirror Universe person that is like not that bad, right? He could play both sides pretty easily. There's something pretty subtle in this scene that happens, which is Ezri kind of declining to give Bashir a hug in front of Worf. Well, I must admit I was a bit concerned. She kind of uses the circumstances of, you know, the the conversation and Cisco walking up and stuff to to kind of weasel out of uh, a an offered hug that like she she gets a gives O'Brien a big hug and Bashir's got his ar- arms open and she totally leaves him hanging. Yeah, that hurts. It hurts in public. Yeah. It's a, it's the hug equivalent of the too slow high five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting because I think she's doing that more for Worf's benefit than anyone else. But that's like an interesting heartbreak calculus to do. Like it's going to break Bashir's heart a little bit if I don't hug him, but it's going to break Worf's double heart even more if I do. Are you clear on how they got home? I think uh, Damar gave them... A, a shuttle, a Car- a Cardassian a shuttle, yeah. yeah. And he and he gave and he said like the 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 data that they needed to slip the the perimeter defenses was loaded into it. But I don't know how they got into Federation territory. Like the second a a Cardassian vessel exits from one side of uh, the front line, you would think that a uh, you know, like that's probably what the hood is doing, right? Just kind of cruising around, torpedoing <laughs> shuttles coming from Cardassia. I can never tell if this shit only interests us because I'm, I was exactly with you. I was like, transit must have been crazy. Also, where'd they get the uniforms? There's no way a Cardassian <laughs> shuttle could have replicated those. Like they should show up looking like shit. Yeah. But they don't. They look like they're ready to go right on duty. That would have been a fun way to write the scene. Like like she goes in and hugs O'Brien and he's like, <laughs> a little, little bit <laughs> smelly there, Esri. <laughs> <laughs> and then like Bashir takes a step back and does not offer her a hug. Yeah. 
Like, maybe after you've had a sonic shower. Cisco is very encouraging of a thorough medical evaluation that uh, that Bashir, in his own right, is very interested in, in giving to both of them. <laughs> he wants to know what what gives with Damar freeing them. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I can tell you one thing. He hates Wayun. And what's what's happening there? And they're like, we honestly do not fucking know. Like, debrief us all you want. We're not going to be able to shed any new light on what's going on with the Breen, what's going on with Change Leader, any of that stuff. Is a rectal exam really necessary to uh, to find that out <laughs> for sure? <laughs> Two of them? Uh, but before he can answer that question, we get some news from uh, from the radio. The Breen have attacked Earth. One of the great moments before theme, like cut to theme. This is great. The Cisco close-up in this moment. You get the length of the theme song to process your feelings before you're made to become angry almost immediately because it's Captain Cisco and Martok watching the footage of the Federation president reading My Pet Goat to a classroom of kindergartners <laughs> after explicitly ignoring the brain planning to attack Earth intelligence report. Yeah. It's really messed you get the up. the book upside down. Yeah. And then later it's like, was that Photoshop or was that a real photo? Who knows? I love Martok in this scene. Like the, the imagery of San Francisco, I mean, for its time, plausibly scary, looks pretty bad. The... Golden Gate Bridge sustaining damage trope of films and television yeah. is like one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Like so many movie trailers and movie posters and shows have like, we're either going to fuck up the Statue of Liberty or the Golden Gate Bridge. Like one of the two things always happens in a disaster movie. Yeah. And this matte painting is great. It's like rescue shuttles taking off from the the lawn in front of Starfleet HQ with the crumpled bridge in the background. You see Boothby bleeding out under an elm tree. There's that one last rescue shuttle uh, leaving the rooftop. <laughs> with, <laughs> with a guy. Wesley Crusher dangling yeah. from a nacelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a real like iconic image of a, of a <laughs> terrible moment in history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Martok respects the Breen for this move. And I love this moment for his character. As a warrior, yeah. he's got respect <laughs> nucks for the Breen here. Yeah, he's like, we didn't even try that. <laughs> the Breen may be wearing refrigerated suits, but their hearts <laughs> beat with the fire of a warrior. <laughs> And then his late night talk show, kind of Bill Maher style, yeah. gets canceled. Yeah. Martok's like, say what you will about the Breen, but I don't call attacking Earth cowardly. I suppose I'll have to take these sizzling hot takes to a premium cable network. <laughs> yeah. We cut over to Cardassia, where uh, a nice Sherbert sunset is uh, is there for Wayun and Thotgore to celebrate beneath. Uh, Damar is, l- is less enthusiastic yeah. about, about their circumstances. 
I was thinking a lot about how this show got away with seven entire seasons of Cardassia being the bad planet and a single establishing shot of Cardassia. It's, it's like amazing. Every time they cut to it, it's like same shot. Where's that shot of Cardassia that shows the video billboard? Like they should have brought that shot back and had a Dominion person in there uh, proselytizing or whatever. I think this is the same shot. It's just later in the sequence. I, th- mm. I think that that billboard is like a little bit earlier in a, I think they made six or seven seconds of this, of this parallaxed matte painting yeah. effect and then have used it. Have used like the first half of it and the last half of it two hundred times. We're made to understand that Demar is able to understand Thotgor a little bit better than in previous episodes. Yeah, his his universal translator has been fixed, but ours has not. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, maybe so. I like that when Wayun leaves leaves the office, Thotgor and Demar talk a little bit, and Demar's like, "Hey, dude." Uh, when you're around that guy, you need to check your back for stab wounds. Yeah. Like, like I know I know you're feeling real high on the hog at the moment, but uh, that's where I was a couple weeks ago, and now it sucks. It's like on Love Island when somebody gets mugged off and then, like, goes to the new boyfriend and is like, listen, like, I know that you're dating her now, and I used to be dating her, and I want nothing but the happiest relationship for you, but she is going to stab you in the back like do you really think i'm that desperate to go in i ain't a grafter i don't graft people you're sort you're sort of seeing him like shit talk the relationship to the new boyfriend in a way that is specifically designed to undercut confidence you tried to break up a couple you've got a game plan you said that that's how it comes across well i'm really glad you had a love island comparison chambered there so i didn't have to make one myself i I got your back on on the love island refs buddy you don't have to watch or live on love island to get a love island reference though because there's absolutely nothing wrong with me (laughs) what you just described to me was college Back on the station, uh, we find Cassidy Yates cooking <laughs> for a Captain Cisco. If you can call it that, Adam. There are a couple of grave errors that Cassidy makes in this scene. Uh, one, you don't cook another man's peppers if that man has plans for those peppers. Nobody touches my peppers. That a less grave error in judgment than using metal utensils on a nonstick pan the way she does. I don't know, Ben Cisco. If maybe this is the thing that your prophet mom was warning you about. If you do this, you will know only sorrow. Cassidy's like, well, I'm so sorry. I guess I'm just gonna go on a cargo run into a war zone, Ben Cisco. See if you start caring about me then. This conversation kind of reminded me of like at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was like a little bit like, uh, when does it start being dangerous to like ever do anything? Like yeah. you and I were on a on a little weekend getaway at like right before all the like shelter in place orders started. And, and we had some friends that had to get on flights to get home. And stuff. And I really didn't envy that because they, you know, like there was no information in in that moment, like what is and isn't a safe thing to do. 
And, and Cassidy, to go home meant enduring the most dangerous thing we had heard about. Right. And Cassidy is definitely like on the on the end of the ledger of like, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm going to like keep living my life and doing the stuff that I do. And Cisco's like, what are you talking about? They just attacked Earth. Earth? <laughs> it's where we're from. <laughs> it's our home. Are you too good for your home? You know, the only other man who had the stones to pull a stunt like that was Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> winner of the Academy Marathon, also on Earth. He's probably sitting in his vineyard right now, sipping on jippers. Yeah. Which is ironic because he makes wine. I know. We're cutting around quite a bit this episode. Back on Cardassia, Damara is conspiring with a, with a new character. This is Roussat. Yeah, Gul Roussat. Did you get a little, like, David Rose from Schitt's Creek energy from Galrasat? Uh, I, think, I, I think it's the I, eyes. Like, something about the eyes gave me David Rose. John Vickery is the guy who plays him, and I also uh, I also was captivated by those peepers. Yeah. Uh, he was in that uh, episode of Night Terrors on TNG. He played that, that Betazoid that oh, was terrorized wow. at night. You remember him? Yeah. Very familiar face when you when you click on that episode. His, and his IMDb picture is a, a Klingon man, yeah. I think from uh, Star Trek Enterprise. So he's he's one of those Star Trek that guys. He's got some real Kyle McLaughlin vibes to me, and you know how great I think that guy looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you would make a great Cardassian, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I have the forehead for that. Anyways, welcome to the resistance, Damar. <laughs> okay, are you saying that I don't make people feel at home? Uh, we got to know what Kai Wynn is up to at this point, and what she's doing is canceling appointments. Sabor is going down the list, and she's like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, cancel it. He is the quintessential cranky executive assistant who's getting yeah. walked all over by the boss's new paramour. Ducat really walks all over Solbor. He enters the scene with shit that is hot and ready for Solbor to eat. Eminence, is there anything you would like? I'm not hungry. Except Solbor won't be enjoying the shit on the balcony. That's where Gul Ducat's going to take his meal as soon as Solbor returns with it. I said I'm not hungry. Kaiwin here is like is like impatient for what's to come for her. She like she wants to kick off this this power wraith situation and it's just not happening fast enough for her right there's a mission and the the marching orders are getting kind of doled out in very slow deliberate fashion you got to kind of wonder how much the power wraiths are linear or not right cuz the profits are not linear like they they're always like really really tripped out when people talk about the future being different from the past and stuff it's why you never want to make plans with a prophet. You're going to right. be waiting at the restaurant for like mm-hmm. a yeah. thousand years. <laughs> and they're like, There's what? only so much of free bread and butter service that you can consume before they're going to make you order something. Right. Uh, and they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, like my friend is parking. I'm sure they're just like <laughs> circling the parking lot right now. <laughs> you know what? You can never go to a Din Tai Fung with a, with a prophet <laughs> because your party will never be there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. 
they they're gonna like look at you with a blank expression they say like tell us when they are here in the lobby then we will start to consider seating you (laughs) you get the sense that the pirates live in kind of a ghostbusters like containment unit in the in the caves yeah the fire caves are their prison the the scene really gave me those ghostbusters vibes like you gotta keep them in the containment unit the mayor can't make you turn off the power to to the station he doesn't understand We've seen paw wraith farts come out of artifacts and stuff and get into mm-hmm. people. Famously, for some reason, Jake was Costamogen for a little while. Yeah. So there's some paw wraiths that are not trapped in the fire caves, but I guess most of them are. It seems pretty unclear about uh, why or when a paw wraith is given to a trinket or an item or a book or whatever. Yeah. To live I- in. I love this scene because it is a, it's just a a return to form for Star Trek. It's that psych that is three feet away from the actors trying to, trying to rep long distance view over, overexposed Bajor. Big fun. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, they need to open up the, the Bajoran gift shrunk and get the, the book about the coast emojin out of the archives it's 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 kind of the the secret knowledge that uh, that Kai Wen is going to need to to release the pa wraiths am i wrong i thought the book was called the coast emojin so i i have a very imperfect understanding of this but i think that coast emojin is kind of the satan of the bajoran oh. cosmology and there are other like demons like like coast emojin is the one that is cast out by the prophets and all of Coast Emojin's allies or the other Pa Wraiths kind of a deal. That totally negates my joke about the accompanying volume, The Joy of Coast Emojin, which is <laughs> which just has pictures of really realistic pubic hair on all of the characters. <laughs> yeah. Our Coast now Emojin we can't use that ourselves. Joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everybody Coast Emojin. <laughs> as soon as they mention the book, I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be like the Necronomicon. Like, yeah, like the, fleshy, gross book with like a, a dick key or something. Like The Necropomicon, if you yes. will. Yes, I will. Yeah. And uh, it's fun because Gul Dukat's kind of goading Kai Wen at this moment. Kai Wen is reluctant to read from the book, but she is not afraid of it. She wants to be very clear about that point. Yeah. Not afraid, Gul Dukat. One of my favorite uh, things I've learned about the Jewish religion is that in Yom Kippur, the like the, the Day of Atonement, in, in days of, of yore, the head priest of the original temple in Jerusalem was the only person considered ordained enough to go into the holy of holies and there was like a ritual cleaning that was supposed to kind of expunge the sins of the congregation Mm -hmm. and so they would tie a rope around his waist so that he could go in and do perform the rites but if he for some reason had a heart attack or died of something while he was in there they could pull him back out What? And this is kind of how the Kai is, right? Like, she's the only person that's allowed to even look at this book. (laughs) Oh, religions are so funny. Yeah, they're great. (laughs) (laughs) Ancient humans. What's going on with those guys? (laughs) 
Wow. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. A bucket. A pair. Mr. Bucket. I have to revert back to my living state. Oh, I don't use the bucket anymore. Back on Deep Space Nine, it's decidedly less serious yeah. over there. O'Brien and Bashir are playing uh, Alamo Warhammer together. Yeah. They clearly also bought a big tract of land on Bajor, but they have something different in mind for what they're going to build. When this scene opened, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great joke by Adam about all of Bashir's ideas for fortification having to do with adding moats. And then he says it. He just fucking says it himself. I don't have to make that joke. Bashir already did. A moat around the Alamo? Yes, here, look. We could widen this stream, maybe make it a little deeper. Bashir, beat you to the punch, Adam. <laughs> now, uh, we could always put crocodiles in the moats of urine. <laughs> of course, nope. it would be crocodile urine in the moats. <laughs> They're trying to strategize about how they can beat the Alamo. Like, the, their their video game that they play in the hollow suite about the Alamo, they lose every time. Because I guess they are on Team Crockett and not on Team Mexico. Quark is I would like to think that the fucking Starfleets would be decolonized enough that they would consider (laughs) fighting on Team Mexico occasionally. No, no one's that woke. (laughs) (laughs) I felt very seen in this moment because Quark is like, I can't believe you guys are playing with your dollhouse here. Like there's serious war shit happening. There was another Wolf 359 type experience happening on Earth. Like, aren't you guys going to allow that to influence how you're feeling and what you're doing? And both Bashir and O'Brien are like, I just worked a double, man. You can't work every hour of every day. This is my self-care time. Yeah, they are kind of, they're kind of Adam playing video games. Yeah, they are. You need to play video games. Yeah. And you for can't, self-care. You can't put drinks down on the, on the fucking tabletop game. You're going to mess stuff up, Quark. Yeah, we haven't put in the moats yet, Quark. Up in the balcony of Quark's bar, Esri and Worf are watching all this go down. And Worf is really disgusted. He is a child. But you kind of get the sense that he's... Sort of playing wingman under duress to Esri. He gets excited playing with toys. He knows how to have a good time. She wants to kick it to, to Julian now. She wants to, like, make a move. And he is kind of there to be her support in a in a weird turn for him, given how threatened he seemed by this in in the in the previous episodes. I don't get why Worf doesn't see... The similarities between himself and Bashir and O'Brien in a scene like this. Like, what is so different about O'Brien and Bashir doing the Alamo from the Worf calisthenics program fighting against Skeletor in the holodeck? Like, what's wrong with strategizing before you go in there? Is there is that something that's without honor? Should you just go into a, a simulation like that without using the miniatures. I wish we got a little more yeah. into why he finds this so bad, you know? Honestly, it feels like a real lateral move from his Old West playset that he does with Alexander. You're as handy with a shooting iron as you are with a woman's heart. I, I kind of think he's dunking on them out of a feeling of wishing he could play too. 
Like I was waiting for that to happen, like that invitation to be extended. I kind of think ass. It, I, I think that we may be on a like three episode run toward that or something like that. Yeah, that's maybe the thing I care about the most at this point is whether or not <laughs> Worf can win the Alamo. I do wonder about this relationship with Worf and Esri, though. It feels like it's 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 weird to say this because they had so much time together, but I feel like they skipped ahead in their relationship to each other somehow. Like, I'm missing something. Because how did we get to Ezri and Bashir as a thing? Like, there was the dream reference. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there was some references to Ezri's attraction to him sprinkled in while they were imprisoned together. But I didn't think it was anything more than... Like, it's okay to have a crush every once in a while. Crushes that often don't turn into anything. I thought it was just that. All of a sudden, it seems very serious. Yeah, I I think it's like the TV version of a crush, which is saying I love you as the first thing you say to somebody you're interested in dating. Yeah, you do that a couple of times in college. You learn very quickly. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. But TV taught you wrong. And I think that I think that like I my sense is what you're picking up on is that this suddenly feels like a super modern television show. Mm-hmm. And yet there are still a couple of vestiges of old timey TV in it. Yeah, there's a tension there. Speaking of super modern, there's a uh, very interesting scene in the next moment with Damar and Wayun where Jamar now kind of like setting the bottle aside to focus on his running the resistance is at work when Wayun comes in and is like, wow, you rolled out of bed early. What's going on? I checked your time card, and it's not 20 minutes late. <laughs> what gives? And I, man, like, I thought that this was going to be Damar's ass. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to see Wayun kind of engage in wishful thinking about, because Wayun is such a true believer, the successes that the Dominion has has had via their relationship with the Breen make Wayun like more and more confident in what the outcome of the war is going to be and and mm-hmm. he kind of projects that onto Damar in this really like unself-critical way that I thought was such an interest it's so interesting to see Wayun have a blind spot like this his blind spot is his optimism and it really brought into relief in this scene just what the conflict was between Wayun and Damar really. Yeah. Which was that Wayun's true believership is all about the optimism of being a part of the Dominion and the founders always being right and godlike. Mm-hmm. And how Damar could just never get on his level. Right. And you you're a manager of a person who's been kind of a slack off for a while who suddenly starts working hard. It's it's easy to become excited about yeah. the possibilities again. This must be for good reasons. <laughs> right. This is not a backstab. How could it be? <laughs> Who would backstab somebody that's that's on the right side of history like me? There's something different about you today, Damar. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's almost as if you're only half-dressed. What are you talking about? I, this was like one of my favorite scenes in the episode because I just I thought that the Demar stuff and the Wayun stuff was kind of corny, and they wound up having this like really interesting and and true moment in this yeah. in this scene where Wayun's self delusion is 
like something that I can see in all different parts of my life as, as something that has happened. I like scenes like this where DeMar doesn't have to lie in this moment. Right. This makes the scene far more interesting that he doesn't have to. The only lie is that he like quickly like X's out of the browser tab he was in before Wayne yeah. comes in. <laughs> you know? Right. Knock on my door. Knock next time. He's looking at Breen porn. <laughs> <laughs> Cold Breen mega babes. <laughs> far from Cardassia on the surface of Bajor. Kai Wen takes delivery of the Necro Pa Makan, uh, which Solbor delivers under duress again. Very, it, he is really set off by the fact that she's requested this. He's like, hey, this book hasn't been checked out in centuries, and uh, <laughs> I'm actually concerned about the late fees. Were you to hold on to this for a while? He's doing that thing of like what I wish. The guy at the video rental had done when I tried to rent uh, the Japanese film audition. It was like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you want to take this home? <laughs> you know, like I wish somebody had had uh, had prepared me for what I was gonna, about to see. Yeah. Like Solbor doesn't know what she's about to see. That's the thing. Like he is afraid of this on faith alone. That's because Solbor uh, has seen what's in the bag, and it's a copy of Solo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your video store guy should have done. He's like, you know, uh, people who have checked out this right. often follow it up with this. <laughs> the the human algorithm of, uh, hey, uh, Shot you might want to do a little chaser. double feature here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you aren't too worn out by the first one, <laughs> if if you haven't given up on humanity, <laughs> uh huh. I love that the book is in like a a crown royal velvet bag, like a black bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. big fun. Yeah, a very premium book of the dead, and. Yeah. Uh, she basically says, like, put the book down on the desk and fuck off, Solbor. And, uh, you know, like, she's pulling rank. She's, like, Ducat is there pulling his rank. This is, like, Solbor's last stand, isn't it? Like, this is, he's not really been mouthy up until now. Yeah. And uh, they kind of cow him out of the room. And and then Ducat has to kind of repitch this plan to Kai Win, right? He's like, the the power is yours if you wanna if you want it, but you have to open the book. And that's the thing that has always motivated her, right? Like more power, more influence, more mm-hmm. more stability that she can wield against anyone that would disagree with her. And so yeah. she is always going to she's like a fucking moth to the flame with in terms of power. And Golducat is like the the person with the moth swatter, like pushing her toward the flame. Yeah. So she she makes what uh I think we can all recognize as a Faustian bajargon <laughs> and opens the book. It's one of the best you've ever done. <laughs> really glad I was here for that. Yeah, yeah. All of our listeners were here for it, too. So, cheers to them. She opens up the book, and she looks at the pages, and uh, the pages are blank. 
It's a blank! (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, they are going to have to do more research. This is is some kind of trick. There's got to be something in this book. You ever buy a greeting card and you're expecting there to be some sort of like rhyming happy birthday text inside and you get it home and it's fucking blank and you're like, God damn it. I I don't even know this person that well and now I need to write my own flowery <laughs> celebratory message to them. Like yeah. that's the crestfallenness that's happening here. This is this is greeting card disappointment in this scene. Yeah. You got to use four fucking stamps to mail the uh, Bajoran Necronomicon also. Like it's yeah. just... It's like uh, it's like the papyrus card of of devil books, right? And you like it. It was in like a like a plastic sleeve when you bought it, so you assumed that there would be a an envelope that was sized to fit, and there isn't. And you're like, nope. What, what am I gonna do? Like fold printer paper up and make my own envelope? Give me a break. This is why Solbor had to uh, had to be the courier for the book personally. You can't just put it in the mail. <laughs> the Bajoran Postal Service. Uh, will not deliver the Bajoran Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah. It's like a lithium-ion battery. Ever since DeJoy Lewis took it over, <laughs> the service has really been dog shit. What are you Back on uh, Deep Space Nine, Odo is giving uh, Captain Sisko some new security reports when Cassidy Yates enters the security office pissed. Yeah, and and Sisko is like, hey, Odo, do you mind if I use your office to get a mud hole stomped in my ass? And Odo's like, yeah, go for it, buddy. As long as I can watch. (laughs) I'll be across the promenade talking to my best friend, Quark. We'll just be enjoying the bloodbath. You know what's great about being me? I can turn myself into the popcorn-eating gif whenever I want. (laughs) (laughs) So Quark and Odo kind of watch as Cassidy tears Ben Sisko in half for taking her off the flight line. Basically, he, he... used his influence of a prophet slash station administrator to keep her from going on cargo runs. And uh, that ain't going to fly. That's not not how this works. I'm a thousand percent on Cassidy's side here. This is some, uh, this is some real bullshit, Ben yeah. Sisko. If you're going to pull something like this, you better come with permission. I had guessed in the, you burned my peppers scene before. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Touches my peppers. Uh, that Cassidy would have just gone and flown missions against Cisco's wishes. I did not expect their conflict to turn into this. Like to for her to just learn about it before leaving and not resist this. I told you I don't need or want that kind of protection. Quark and Odo are watching this from from outside, and uh, and Quark has a warning for Odo. He's like, he, he kind of like elbows Odo and he's like, you see that? Yeah. Uh, this is what it's like to get married. And I should know. Take it from me, famously married. <laughs> I would like a divorce, please. No offense. The thing about arguing with your spouse versus your 
sig of, I would say, is that like when you are married to somebody, it's like whatever conflicts come up, we are committed to resolving them together. It's like a... It's Hold like, on, I, I haven't finished writing that down. <laughs> okay. Where, you know, whereas like any any dumb quibble can end a, a dating relationship in theory and and not so much in the case of a marriage. Like, And I guess that's what Quark is saying here, but I kind of felt like it was something he was peppering in to just kind of like inject the idea into Odo's ear. Maybe specifically because Quark seems to be the person you go to if you want to buy a wedding ring on Deep Space Nine and he sees some profit in it. Yeah, that's fair. He's going to know first. Do you think Admiral Beltbuckle lives on Deep Space Nine now? Sick Beltbuckle, bro. Great question. Because where else would he be? I don't know. Because like we get one more scene of like Kai Wen doing research on Bajor, and then a scene of Cisco, you know, giving Cassidy flowers and recognizing his fuck up in a super grown up way. And then they get interrupted by Belt Buckle. Big Eagle has landed. It's a sick Belt Buckle in its here. Saying like there's there's big problems in the Chintaka system. We got to go save. The Federation's one toehold in the Cardassian area of space because uh, they're bearing down on it with Breen ships. We get an extended scene of pre-flight checking on the bridge of the Little D. It just goes on and on and on. And the way it works is like we get pre-flight check terminology and then we get O'Brien and Bashir arguing about losing one of the figurines uh, on their Alamo playset. Yeah, and more Worf kind of grimacing to himself that he wishes he was invited but isn't. Right, but we get like the part that's supposed to give you chills if you're a Star Trek fan, like the the deployment out to go meet the assault fleet, the uh, the idea that we're going to go to war here, and it's going to be pretty excellent is the expectation because Deep Space Nine does a good job with scenes like this. They're heading for another Wolf 369. Which I assume is the next of the. It's the, the battle series. with a lot of face tattoos. <laughs> On Bajor, Kai Wynn has been working so hard at her task that she's fallen asleep at her desk. And uh, Solbor sees this as an opportunity to return some of these evil textbooks before late fees are incurred. And yeah. he's caught out in the hallway by Gul Dukat, who just fucks him up in that hallway the thing about Goldukat that we don't talk enough about is how physically imposing he is yeah and it's it's not only about posture he's got like he's got this older man v-shaped torso thing going on that really looks aggressive when he's just standing there i'll show you who's number one mr mandelbaum please it's no time you wouldn't think that it would still be so noticeable outside of the cardassian chest plate but it really is almost like he's wearing a corset or something it's really admirable yeah he he like backhands solbor to get these books back and heads back in to Kai Wen and maybe we should just kind of resolve the Ducat Win storyline here and then talk about Wolf 369. Sure. Just because I feel like the, the jumping back and forth is, is so intense because like later Solbor comes back and I kind of think that he maybe 
even stole the books as a pretext to get punched by Ducat because he has sequenced Ducat's DNA suddenly. Yeah. And knows what he what he truly is. It's Ducat. <laughs> you can't put a knife in a room without that knife going into a body. Yeah. And this is uh, Kai Wynn doing a murder to, to stop Solbor. Solbor, I beg you. No. Oh! And she's like her, like Louise Fletcher is such a incredible actor. Like the somersaults her character has to do in this are so great. Like, mm-hmm. It's so hard to imagine somebody that is as power-driven as Kai Wen having crises of conscience the way she occasionally does and 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 like powering through them. Like you right. you wonder about it all the time. Like does a powerful politician ever have a dark night of the soul or wonder about the drone strike or whatever like how how much does that affect a person when they wield the the kind of power of life and death that she does and she's now murdered her closest confidant to protect her position of power because the secret of who angel really is getting out would be impossibly damaging to her Right. To what extent is she willing to go to to maintain the cover up? It's not just her intentions. It's it's covering them up at the same time. Because she like turns to go destroy the Necropomicon, and she only doesn't destroy it because when Solbor's blood falls on the book, it reveals all the text. Pretty exciting moment. Poor Solbor, though. Yeah. RSVP. We stand a Solbor tonight. This is why when you go to confront a powerful person, you never do it alone. Let this be a lesson Yeah. to anyone out there seeking that kind of confrontation. You need to bring witnesses. You want to send like manila envelopes to your attorney that he will then send to the Washington Post and the New York Times in the event the of your death. You want that dead man switch in mm-hmm. a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Solbor is not cagey enough to have have planned something like that so he buys the farm and uh kai win slips even further down the path of serving as the handmaiden to the pirates being released from the fire caves yeah morn 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 sweet morn 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 you need everybody morn in space, we get the confrontation between these two Starfleets. It's Cardassians and Ticks versus Romulans, Klingons, and Federations. And a couple of Starfleets about to have a Star War. Indeed. And the little D takes out a couple of pretty big brain ships quickly didn't you wonder what the hell at this point like this is way too easy yeah this is gonna be great but then a brain ship hits them with some keiko lightning and it takes them out it it double taps the little d tattooing around the head wound scorched bone close range probably executed this space combat happened so fast i couldn't believe it it really does because we go from hey we're gonna win this thing to oops we're adrift (laughs) time to abandon ship (laughs) 
in in like the same minute in maybe the same 30 seconds the damage seemed bad but not girders falling down bad which is why i was a little bit faked out here yeah. up until the moment where they actually abandoned ship i wasn't sure they were gonna yeah i kind of thought that o'brien was gonna say like turn back to cisco and be like I, you know i think i could probably staple some stuff back in place and we could stay in this fight or something but no it's it's Ben Sisko saying to the little D, he will abandon it. Mm-hmm. I shall avenge you. And that's it. They- yeah, and then they punch out in a very fun uh, get to the escape pods exterior shot. Right. And change leader on the bridge of a tick is like, let the escape pods go because they're just going to go back and tell everybody how badly they got their clocks cleaned and it's going to just demoralize the entire Federation. The- One thing that I, I'm very irritated about with this dominion war is that change leader and way and stuff never talk about the romulans or the klingons like they are yeah. always talking about their their enemies the federation yeah i wish that they'd come up with like a the allies or some blanket term to describe the the star empires that have teamed up to fight them they need a name a yeah. good name the federation ain't it this ain't it this is a show that came up with the Nojay Consortium. We, yeah. So we know they have it in them. They have this gear and they don't use it. And that's sad. The survivors make it back to Deep Space Nine. And Cisco tells Butt, buck, tells butt Buckle, was what I was going to say. <laughs> Cisco tells Belt Buckle how sad he is about losing the Defiant when, uh, when a message sent from Cardassia appears, and it's one of those all-channels, all-frequency type deals. Like, if you want to change the channel, you can't even. It's right. just going to be on your screen until it's over. Yeah. And it's Damar. Damar has agreed with the three major networks and C-SPAN <laughs> to broadcast <laughs> an address, and he goes public with his allegiance to the resistance. He says, basically, like, Cardassia made a deal with the Dominion, and... We have been dying by the millions to to do this war for them. And what have we got to show for it? Nothing. Like that like we feel like strangers on our own planet. We don't we didn't conquer any new territory. We got these guys wearing helmets saying things we can't understand. Hey, Yato. hey why don't you speak Cardassian? <laughs> yeah. Love it or leave it, thought gore. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, we see the the reaction of the Federations being like, thank fuck, like one thing broke our way this episode. Yeah. And we also see the reaction of Wayun and Change Leader and Thotgor watching this from their control room. And there are Cardassians in that room. I really wish we had cut to a couple of them. Yeah. Awkward. Awkward, right? Because <laughs> they probably like work directly with Damar a lot of the time. And you gotta imagine you're gonna be executed not long after this moment, right? You're like one one party or the other, whichever comes out on top, is going to execute me. <laughs> Interesting moment for Wei Yun, who is so up until now was so big picture company man, but now takes this threat very personally because the target for the Cardassian resistance is this Rondak three. Yeah. This is the thing that Damar is talking about on his big message, and that's where they make new Wayunes. If that yeah. place is destroyed, he's going to be the last one. And that's interesting to hear coming from him because he's not usually so concerned for his own life. Right. 
I mean, he has like no empathy and suddenly a problem that everyone else experiences, i.e. death, comes home to roost and suddenly he's anti-death. And you should clone yourself while he's still alive so you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's so interesting how like the most hardline thinking people you know, really are unable to change their feelings about a circumstance until it impacts them directly. Classic empathy gap issue here. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's Did you the... have empathy for this episode, Ben? You really want to do this here, now? Okay, okay, let's do it! I sure did, Adam. I thought this was a really good episode. I mean, boy, we are deep into our episode about it this uh mm-hmm. this took a mm-hmm. long time to recap because i just feel like it's so much episode yeah. i feel like this by itself could have been two episodes in a way there's a dense crumb to this one isn't there yeah yeah this is the kind of episode where paul hollywood finishes it and there's like a a pause and you can't even tell what's about to happen and then he just reaches out his hand he wants to shake this episode's hand. What a moment. Yeah. That's going to feel great. Wow. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy the dense crumb of this episode, Adam? Oh, yeah. I mean, the sort of the sort of episode I want to dunk into a mug of coffee mm-hmm. before taking to the dome. This is a perfect sponge. <laughs> <laughs> great sponge to this one. Uh, yeah. Very symmetrical looking frosting. Uh, really looks like it took a lot of time and effort. Yeah. You know, especially in this humidity, not enough people talk about how difficult it is to make an episode like this yeah. in this humidity. When it's and, raining right outside the tent. And they really pulled it off. So yeah. Yeah. I like the episode. This is like, here's the thing. Does anyone remember episode four of the finale to deep space nine like i wonder to what extent people just think of the finale as this entire run without being able to really distinguish the individual episodes i wonder to what extent we'll be able to do that when it's over and i'm gonna guess not that well (laughs) well we're well-known unresearched idiots so That's a a perfectly reasonable assumption on your part, Adam. I would argue that maybe it is a writer's room success if that is less possible, because that was the goal from the start, right? One contiguous story being told. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Adam, do you want to see if we have any contiguous priority one messages in the old inbox? I think we've done it wrong if we do it that way. These need to be separate priority one messages we can't just force them together priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship our first priority one message is of a promotional nature adam it goes like this in the zix quadrant there are no drunk shimodas just a lot of partying on hyperproton fuel and dust. Join the Greatest Generation Facebook group that loves Mission to Zix. It's called Greatest Mission to Zix. <laughs> Disclaimer, this message does not come from the cast or crew of the hit sci-fi podcast Mission to Zix, rather solely from the desk 
of the Gooch. The Gooch. Hashtag hate the platform, not the group. Hashtag making it better from the inside. Hashtag the space. Hashtag Zima. Hashtag Juck the Federated Alliance. Hashtag the stuff. Hashtag vote. There you go, the gooch. Way to make it better from the inside. Yeah. The call to action is join the Facebook group Greatest Mission to Zix. How about that? You know, a long, long, long time ago, Mission to Zix official advertised on our show. Back before they were a, a maximum fun property. That was, that was a, that's a deep cut. Yeah. They're doing great. Yeah, they're doing better than we are. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover between our audiences, so I imagine The Greatest Mission to Zix is a real fun hang if you're a fan of The Greatest Gen and of Mission to Zix. Making it better from the inside. Uh, a personal brand promise that I've had <laughs> for 20 years, uh, yet feebly unable to on so many occasions. Mm-hmm. Ben, our second priority one message is from Mike T., and it is to Ben and Adam. The message goes like this. Longtime listener and supporter. Love when you guys argue and do interactive marins mm-hmm. like war. That nonsense is centuries behind us. Or the P.O. Box. I'm receiving a code 47. How about a quiz? I guess we're going to play a game with Mike T here. He's, he's like calling drops. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually like pre-visualizing the show here. Star Trek eye color. No cheating, Adam. Wesley. What color are his eyes, Ben? What color are Wesley's eyes? Yeah. Are they gray? Data. We're just going to rapid fire these. Gold. Ow! Kirk. Brown. No. Hazel. Ow! Riker. Blue. Rolaren. Brown. Mott. Mm, brown. I feel like that's a trick question. I feel like you want to say blue if yeah. you think of Mott, but they're probably not. Yeah. Weyoun. Blue. Ow! And then there's a bonus round here. Jordy. <laughs> Blank. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, that's... I don't get the other, the last few ones. Holodeck Alien, Six Bay, or TNG films don't have eyes, so... What are we talking about here? Does does Mike T include a uh, an answer key here? Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, Mike T does not. So uh, uh, the editor of this episode, Mike T's given us a job, is what he's done. Yeah, there will have uh, to be dings and and buzzers. Yeah. Added in here. Yeah. Wow. I like a I like a spontaneous quiz though. Yeah, Good that's job, cool. Mike T. Yeah. That would be another thing I would accept as a uh, as an Apple Podcast review format. Quiz us in in your podcast review. Yeah, and if it's five stars, we might take up the quiz in a Marin. I think you got a pretty good score there, Ben. Hit us up for a jumbotron at uh, maximumfun.org/jumbotron. It's a hundred bucks for a personal and a uh, two hundred bucks for a promotional. We really appreciate it. Helps us keep the lights on around here. Am 
one of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Uh, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I had a hard time choosing one in this episode. I mean, I want to honor the life of Solbor, 
He's definitely not having the most fun here. No. Not by any stretch. I think, here's what I'll say. I'm going to give my drunk Shimoda to Damar. Not wow. because he's drunk. He's gotten <laughs> he's gotten drunk Shimoda many, many times on this show for that reason specifically. There's a moment but, where Rasat p- picks up a bottle of Kanar and Damar like takes it out of his hand and puts it back down instead yeah. of accepting any. It's a new Damar here. And here's what I'll say about why he's my drunk Shimoda. This is like, this is the reap and sow situation. <laughs> because this is the beginning of the, of the resistance for him. And he's got to be so excited. Like, mm-hmm. it's before anything bad has happened. Ha ha, yeah, it's just this a, rules. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> he, has not, he has not begun to reap yet. Yeah. Which is when things suck. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm going to make him the Shimoda right now because this is as good this is is possibly as good as it's going to get for him. And I think we all can relate to a person about to do a challenging thing before it all goes to hell. Like there's that <laughs> moment before it begins where you're like maybe I got a shot. This is good. Yeah. This could be good. So it's Demar for me. What about you, Ben? Mine is Gul Rasat. The dreamy-eyed Gull. The counterpoints to Damar in this episode. He comes in and I think the, the first line he has is, the information you requested. <laughs> and he just he just threw so much fucking English on that line that I laughed out loud when he said it. And I was like, who is this guy? Is this like the last time we'll see this crazy character? What's going on? <laughs> like, I I kind of feel like this character just made the case for himself in that line. And yeah. I, I sort of wondered, because like we just watched an episode of Star Trek Discovery that is set in the Mirror Universe where it's a... A very different style of acting is evident on modern Star Trek shows relative to these late 90s Star Trek shows that we're watching right now. And when they go to the mirror universe, it gets big and theatrical and unrestrained in in a way that is like surprising and and weird and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. different. And it, it made me realize that what they're doing on modern Star Trek is in mirror universe time is is like old time Star Trek type acting. Like yeah. this this character coming in and just like blowing the doors off the room by saying, the information you requested is the kind of acting that is being done to convey mirror universe now. And that's uh, expedient direction right there. Totally. Like, yeah. Look at this. This is how you should be doing it. <laughs> uh, it just it, like I laughed out loud when he came in and said that. And, and so he, he instantly earned my drunk Shimoda in that moment. Wow. Well, we got to see what sort of episode we're going to earn next time around. For that, we go to the Game of Buttholes. Bull of the Prophets. It's the, it's the hit greatest gen board game that tells us uh, if we're going to do a normal episode or something fucked up. Yeah, you can follow along at gach.biz slash game. And uh, I'll tell you that the next episode is season seven, episode 21. When it rains, while Kira consults with Damar's rebel forces, Bashir makes a shocking discovery about the disease ravaging the founders. Mm. Shocking. Uh, Adam, we are currently on square 67 
we are on the doorstep of a Jay Gordon episode. That would be an episode... I don't think we've done this before, but we would have to make a piece of artwork representing the episode and share it with the other and post pictures on social media. You know, so, we're in a pandemic. I don't want to use my precious pasta resources <laughs> uh, on a piece of paper plate art. Yeah. Ben. I hope we yeah. don't hit that one. I, I have a lot of macaroni product put up yeah. in a cupboard somewhere. I'd uh, be much more interested in hitting that Quark's bar, which is uh, just a little further out. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. We do also have a quartz bar in range, and uh, so so we'll see what I roll here. Oh boy, Adam, I I have rolled a five. Drink is the antidote. See, I shouldn't have said anything. That's that's I just secreted the game. <laughs> you secreted the game, and the game secreted you. We've uh, secreted our runabout onto the square that demands that we get drunk next episode. And so that we will do. Well, uh, lucky listeners will enjoy uh, what my voice sounds like drinking a pint glass full of fortified eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, I think this episode... I think that episode will come out like after the new year, but uh Oh really? As of as of this recording, we are still we're still mid December. It's it's Hanukkah. It's eggnog wow. season, baby. Wow. Uh big ep for you and me then and everyone listening. Big ep. And everyone watching, I should Look, say. Looking forward to uh if you enjoy the greatest generation, if you have a loved one that enjoys the greatest generation, we could really use your support. Uh, maximumfund.org slash join is where you make that happen uh, you can get yourself a membership or gift a membership to somebody you love and uh, we really appreciate it it's how the show happens the advertising covers a small fraction of our costs and listener support is the lion's share of why and how we are able to do this so uh, thanks to everyone that does it's ads it's support, it's merch. Let's make up the golden triangle of, <laughs> of podcast professionalism. They but, say choose two <laughs> if, if you want to have a chance of making it. Yeah. Uh, we, we have two, two extra pillars of support on our golden triangle, Adam. We're, we're very lucky in that because we've got a Bill Tilly who runs our social media accounts. Uh, at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. And we have an Adam Ragusia who makes all of the original theme music for the program. He's a, a, a guy you can find over on YouTube. If you search Adam Ragusia, he's going to teach you how to cook. And lordy, that guy is good at cooking. I reached out to Adam Ragusia yesterday about what exactly he's doing with his hair. We have wow. the same length of hair. And I, I looked at him on camera and I'm like, how does it stay out of your face, man? Yeah. You, you, you're not, what are you putting in it? And he responded, and he's like, I, that's genetics, man. I'm just a greasy fella, <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> he uses no product, and his wow. hair looks amazing. He has, he has a spectacular mane, I would say. Yeah. You, you, you're no slouch in the mane department, Adam. I, I, I laid eyes in person on that mane today, and I was, I was pretty envious. It's, yeah, but it's like dry and thin. 
It's 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 terrible. <laughs> I gotta start putting stuff in it. That's I'm not looking forward to those days. Gotta gotta keep it out of my eyes. Hmm. You're looking good. You're looking good. Um, Thanks, man. As does the goose. But uh, we really appreciate um, everything he has done for us over the years. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is going to do a lot of drinking. Hell yeah. Feels like it's been a long time. It does. Looking forward to it. my peppers maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported